These barriers that are holding you back are your beliefs about yourself, about what you're capable of, about what you feel you deserve, or about what's possible for you in your life. So in order to go to the next level, the goal is to next level those beliefs. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you new to the show, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the creator of the popular Instagram blog and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. If you're new to this show, let me tell you, you picked a great week to tune in because it's episodes like today's that are the reason I started this podcast in the first place. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like you're just pushing a boulder up a hill or that you've been spinning your wheels trying to achieve something, but it's just not working? I mean, maybe you can sense that you're stuck, but no matter what you try, you just can't seem to get results. And meanwhile, time is passing by and you might feel like you're falling behind. This is honestly one of the worst big kid problems and one that I know all too well, which is why I am so excited for this episode. Our guest this week is Stephanie Kwong. She is a mindset mastery coach, hypnotherapist, and the host of the Rise Higher podcast. She specializes in uncovering the thoughts, patterns, and behaviors that hold us back and keep us from achieving our goals. We're going to talk all about uncovering and dismantling our invisible roadblocks and barriers today so that we can all rise a little bit higher. I mean, who doesn't want that? So some quick ground rules for this episode, because this is a wild one, guys. All right. Stephanie is going to talk about lots of different tools and exercises all of us can do on our own time. So I'm definitely going to encourage a little bit of exploration after this episode. Like one quick example, she's going to walk us through like a really brief hypnosis exercise, which is really fun and kind of mind-blowing if you're new to it. But obviously, this is just a little taster. So if you want to really dive in and get the benefits, I'm going to link to a full free guided hypnosis on Stephanie's website after this. In fact, there's going to be quite a few resources and show notes for you after this episode. So if you love this one and want to dive in a little bit more, definitely encourage you to check that out. I swear there is a ton of great info in this episode. And it's one of those that I feel you're going to want to come back to and listen to again and again, like 
even when I was editing this, I just kept picking up more and more gems. So if you enjoy this one, I'm going to encourage you to share it with your friends, take a screenshot, post it up on stories, tag us, and most importantly, just listen and enjoy it. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Guys, I have some exciting personal news. I am about to pop my meal delivery cherry. I don't know about you guys, but I've been cooking way more than I ever would have imagined this year. And I am so sick of everything that I know how to make. So I am really excited to switch it up with Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well, easy, and affordable. We're actually pretty picky eaters in my house. Like my fiance doesn't eat gluten and I try to stay away from dairy. So I love that Green Chef has several different types of meal plans to choose from like keto, paleo, plant-powered, and balanced living to just fit all different types of lifestyles. Recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to help guide you along. And I love that they deliver a wide variety of organic ingredients that come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped so I don't have to worry about grocery shopping, planning, or letting things go to waste. I'd like to personally take this moment to apologize to all those veggies I let go bad in my fridge before Green Chef. You deserved better. If you want to make your life easier and improve your at-home cooking game, listen up. I have a huge discount just for you. Use code BKP80 to get $80 off your first month, plus free shipping on your first box. Dude, this is a no-brainer. Go to greenchef.com slash BKP80 to redeem and get more details. I'm also going to link it in show notes, but remember to go check it out. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm so pumped to be sitting here today with Stephanie Kwong. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank (laughs) you. Um, I hope you're going to be able to help us all rise a little bit higher today. That's what we're talking about. That's the name of the game. Girl, I'm going to do my best. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no promises, but we'll try. Um, no, I love it. I mean, you have such an interesting background. I mean, you're a clinical hypnotherapist. You talk all about subconscious reprogramming and mental fitness and all of these cool buzzwords that I'm really into. How like did you get into this line of work? Like, what is your backstory? Uh, well, talk about trusting the divine. I mean, this it chose me. I didn't choose it. I was working in entertainment and I really kind of got to the place where I didn't like who I was being in my job, like running masculine energy and just like constantly posturing. And that's kind of what you do in the entertainment industry. It's like, you just become a different person. And I knew that what actually generated the most fulfillment for me was when I was giving back. And so when I decided to leave the, the biz, I set the intention where I was like, I don't know what's next but it has to be in contribution. And I was looking through that filter when I was searching for the next bridge job just before I like really found out what my purpose was. And I ended up getting a job at a live-in weight loss facility. So it was super high end and I was the COO there. And when I was there, there was a young girl from Italy who approached me and she said, 
you know, I don't like staying in the apartment by myself. Last night I felt so alone. I went to Ralph's, bought all this food, ate it and threw up. I don't want to be alone by myself. Do you know someone who can stay with me? I was looking on Craigslist to find somebody and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are not going to find a stranger on Craigslist to come stay with you. And I looked and she was only there for three more weeks. So I said, you know what? I'll come stay with you, but I'm in a leadership program right now. And so I have to go to my class and then I can come over after. Does that work? And she said, yes. So I was going to my class, coming over and teaching her everything I learned. And within a week and a half, my landlord told me, you got to move out. And I loved my place on Abbott Kinney in Venice Beach. I lived there for seven years. I was devastated. I told her and she said, well, then come to Italy to coach me. She goes, if you have no home, you know, and I didn't want to ask you because I knew how much you love living in LA, but if you have no home now, come to Italy to coach me. So within two weeks, I gave in my notice and off I flew with my dog to Milan, which is where we started off. And I started working with her and that was about a six month process. I really support, I knew exactly what caused her eating disorder and kind of the, the, places where she needed the deep healing. And we made some really beautiful progress in those six months. And then I came back, got trained officially and off I went. Okay. So after that, you helped her. And then were you just like hooked on helping people from then on? Uh, completely. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I can do good and get paid for it. This is a dream. Because so often I was thinking, well, if you're going to be doing something good in the world, that it should just be of service and not necessarily receiving any money for it. But I realized that there is a beautiful value exchange when you can support someone to grow and to heal that absolutely it's it's worth that energetic exchange of money. You know? Totally. Yeah. And then you have more, if you have the resources, you can actually like dedicate more of your time to it. That's right. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. All about it. Well, I am so excited to have you here this week because I think so many of us get in our own way. Mm-hmm. And I know me specifically. And I was like reading about this on your site and I was like, oh wow, I identify with this so much. But when when we're all trying to up level and like I do this in my business, like I always am trying to get to the next level or working really hard just through like sheer force, trying to like <laughs> push through to the other side. But for some reason there's like something blocking. Like there's something in the way I can't you can't always like understand what it is. Like for me, I've kind of felt like my business was growing pretty rapidly when I first started. And then I went through like a year and a half, two years where it kind of just leveled off and I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I'm just interested, like, you know, when we talk about this, like, what are some of these blocks that keep us from like continuing to move up? So these blocks, these invisible barriers that we're like, what the heck is in our way is usually our limiting beliefs, right? It's we get indoctrinated into society, being programmed by media, by our parents, by siblings, by teachers, and even by ourselves, because we make a lot of misinterpretations of experiences when we're growing up, right? So as an example of that, you're in a classroom. This is a classic example. You're in a classroom. The teacher asks a question. You raise your hand to answer. You say the wrong thing. Everybody laughs at you. And now you've made the decision like it's not safe to 
speak up in front of people because you'll be humiliated or shamed. So then you made a decision as a child, like five, seven, nine years old, that you carry with you into adulthood. And until you actually heal that and realize that you're not the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, the nine-year-old anymore, you're going to continue to run that same program. And it's all these programs that whether someone imposed them on you, right? They tell you what to believe or who you are or what's possible for your life, or you made these misinterpretations that guides you forever until again, you change them. And those become the barriers that block you. So if you see yourself a certain way, right? Your self-image, if you have the stories of I'm not good enough, or I'm not capable, or I can only attain this amount of financial success. If that's what you believe, that's going to be your set point and where you constantly bump up against and you cannot surpass, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that goes for every area of your life. So whether that's in relationships, if you believe that it's not safe to open your heart because you're going to get hurt, or if you love someone, they're going to leave you, again, based off of past conditioning, then maybe you get into a great relationship and all of a sudden they start loving you and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, what if they leave me? So I'm going to leave first and then boom, you bolt. And that becomes this again, habituated pattern. And you're like, I don't know why I keep getting these relationships. They're not the right guys. So I have to leave. No, it's unconscious you know, beliefs that you have around what it means to be in a relationship. And again, it could be around your health. It could be around business, anything. So these barriers that are holding you back are your beliefs about yourself, about what you're capable of, about what you feel you deserve, or about what's possible for you in your life. So in order to go to the next level, the goal is to next level those beliefs. Because even if you have the willpower, <laughs> you try to <laughs> force it, you're like, this time I'm going to do it. You know, yeah. and you try to force yourself by sheer willpower, or you are constantly learning new strategies and hiring different coaches or doing all this stuff to, to get to the next level. But if your internal world is not aligned, it hasn't up leveled, you're going to stay stuck because everything in your external world is a reflection of your inner world. That's so interesting. This is actually reminding me, you you mentioned you listened to Tony Robbins. Like Mm -hmm. back in the day, I went to his date with destiny last year. And one of the most like powerful things he said, it's it's like, it, it painted like a very clear image of this for me in my head, but he talked about like your internal thermostat. Mm -hmm. So if you think in your head that you're like 80 degrees, you know, like you're, you think like, you know, I'm not a superstar, but I'm pretty good. Like I'm an 80 degree or I'm an 80, Mm -hmm. you know? it protects you in some ways because if you start like your performance falls to like a 70 or a 65, maybe you go through a slump, like you will internally regulate yourself back up to 80. You're like, no, I know I'm an 80 percenter. But at the same time, if you start doing higher, if you start going higher, you start getting opportunities to kind of be like a 90%, the same thing. Like you will self-regulate yourself down. Mm -hmm. You'll self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot outperform your thermostat, right? And your thermostat are the beliefs that you have about who you are, what you deserve, what you're capable of, and what's possible for you, right? So if, let's say, here's something. So I'm going to throw it around love. Let's say you believe that you're unlovable. Whatever messages that you received in your past that had you believe that. And now all of a sudden, someone's coming to love you. What happens is you perceive whatever does not jive with your belief system, your internal thermostat is perceived as a threat by the mind. 
And so if something is perceived as a threat, all of a sudden our whole fight flight goes off, right? And we will sabotage or we'll run or do whatever it it is to push that thing away. And I saw this firsthand when I used to work with at-risk youth foster kids. And you can guess that they probably have a story of I'm unlovable based off of their history of being abandoned by their biological parents, passed around. A lot of them had experienced a lot of abuse as well, physical, mental, emotional, Mm -hmm. verbal. And so they would come to this camp that I volunteered at, but was a counselor at. And right when these kids come off the bus, they're seeing all these you know, young adults going, oh my God, hey, come here. And we want to hug them. We want to love on them. What do you think their first instinct is when, if their belief is I'm unlovable? Run the hell away. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Run or they get suspicious. She must want something from me. Ooh, why is she being so nice? I don't know why she's doing that. She's so fake. Like all this starts to run in their mind because they're not accustomed to what's happening. And so now this is being perceived as a threat. And they're going to want to sabotage it and push it away. So it's the same thing with if your thermostat is set at a certain amount of money Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you receive more than where that thermostat is, it's unconsciously perceived as a threat by the mind because you're like, either I'm not deserving of this money Mm -hmm. or it's not safe to have all this money or whatever the story is. And then many people will destroy it or make silly decisions that then they lose it. And perfect example is all the lotto winners. Yeah. I think it's like 80% of them. It's crazy high. Yeah. like a crazy high percentage. Like within two years of their winnings, they lose it all and they go even deeper into debt than where they were when they first played the lotto. And it's because their thermostat, like you said, has to go right back. And usually I say that when people play the lotto, for the most part, they have a scarcity mindset right? They're not in an abundant mindset. You don't see wealthy people going to play the lotto. Hmm. It's a different mindset. So even though maybe they attracted this money into their life, they won't actually keep it because it's going to match how they feel inside about money. Everything internal, what you believe and how you feel about something is going to be reflected in the outside world. Dude. Okay. So how do we turn up our (laughs) internal thermostat? (laughs) There are so many ways to do that. <laughs> um, is there a switch I can flip? Like what's happening? Yeah, there is. You want me to show you? Here, yeah. Right here. I'm going to show you. Uh, oh. <laughs> I literally was like, you're about to use some hypnosis on me and I was here for it. Girl, I was ready. That's one way. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, hypnosis is a really powerful tool because it gets into your subconscious which is where it matters, right? I don't think we could see that that's where your beliefs are stored. But as neuroscientists say that your beliefs are in your subconscious mind. A lot of therapy, and I'm not dogging therapy. I worked in a therapeutic environment, but a lot of therapy, a lot of books that we read, podcasts that we listen to, it's all on the conscious level, Mm -hmm. which is why we'll hear something and we're like, oh my God, that's amazing. And we think that life is different because we have this new awareness, but if it hasn't changed on the subconscious level, like in your beliefs, nothing will actually change. Right. So again, as an example, I love giving examples to let it land, but for me, I really struggled with failure. I was so terrified of failure and I consciously knew that there is no failure There's only learning and growing. Every successful person needs to fail, fail forward, fail fast. All the memes about failure, right? I seen them all. And Hmm. I was like, 
oh yeah, there's no failure. I'm just going to learn and grow. And I'd go to do something and all of a sudden my fight flight, my nervous system like freezes me up, right? I start to, my throat starts to close up. I get nervous sweats or I just procrastinate and avoid the thing and come up with excuses for why I don't need to go do it. Hmm. I'm laughing because it sounds very familiar. (laughs) A lot of people. And so I realized it's because in my subconscious, when I failed as a child, I got punished. And so my association of failure is a lot of pain. Mm. And so we move towards pleasure. We avoid pain. And if there's a lot of pain associated with failure, my subconscious is trying to protect me. It doesn't want me to experience that pain again. So it literally sabotages and interrupts me from doing the very thing that I say I want to do because it's afraid if you fail, we don't want to deal with the consequences of what you experienced when you were younger. Yeah. So that happens a lot. And what we need to do is to do the deep subconscious work to actually change the belief of what failure means instead of consciously understanding it. Yeah. I always thought like understanding it was the first step. Yes. But you're right. Like I feel like I've identified, like that's kind of been like in my journey, I've identified some patterns that I do and I've identified like where my thermostat is in terms of like certain things, like financially. Mm-hmm. I feel like my thermostat, because I grew up in like a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. my thermostat has always been low around mm-hmm. finances. But okay, like you said, just because you understand it doesn't mean you can fix it. Mm-hmm. So like and for somebody who's like, I'm not going to a no, hypnoth- no hypnotherapy, <laughs> like what are some ways that you can kind of like get into your subconscious and help like turn this bitch totally. around? Well, first of all, guys, do not be scared of a hypnotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> we will not make you bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken. No, it's that stage hypnosis. And I think a lot of people get weary of it because of that. But really all it is, and I'll share a tool right now, is what a hypnotherapist does is we show you how to relax your nervous system, slow down your brain waves. So you go into a theta state. And when you're in a theta state, that's when your logical brain is relaxed. So the part of you that analyzes, that makes decisions, the one that will tell you this isn't true. It's a bunch of BS. This isn't working, right? There's a part of our brain that is trying to stop the change from happening, Mm -hmm. which is why when you're saying affirmations, when you're consciously awake, it's harder because if you're like, I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, you're not. Why are you saying, this is so lame. Don't even say that. That's the weirdest thing, right? Because that's the part of your mind that's logical, that's running. And that's happening when you're in like a more awake state. So alpha, beta. When you go into theta, that's when that part of your mind relaxes and it's not running the show anymore. And that's when you can do the change in your subconscious. So you can start to drop suggestions in and you're more able to surrender or to accept or believe the suggestions that you're giving yourself as truth instead of your mind going, that's not true and trying to kick it out. So the first goal is to slow your brain waves down and to get into theta. How do you do that? Yeah. You read my mind. Good question. (laughs) Um, So I always have, I mean, I have a whole course on self-hypnosis, but one way of doing it is first, like just grounding yourself. You can sit however you need to sit, whether it's upright on a chair or in lotus pose and start to slow your breathing down because your breathing is associated with certain emotional states. And when you slow your breath down, you're actually signaling to the body that it's safe to go within. 
And what I usually do is I'll do like it. There's many different ways that you can like slow down your brain waves, but one way through the breath and how I like to do it is doing a longer exhale than your inhale. So you could do it in breath for four and then exhale for eight. When you have a longer exhalation than an inhalation, it starts to kick up your parasympathetic nervous system and that's what calms you down. Mm. So then once you breathe enough and you really, and you can start to feel it because I know when I do it, my shoulders just naturally drop and I just feel a sense of peace within. And then- Quick question. mm -hmm. How long- how long does it take doing that breathing exercise? However long it takes for you to really calm. Yeah. Some people, if you're usually like more stressed out uh-huh. or in a heightened state, it might be a bit more confronting to slow yourself down and take a little bit longer. Yeah. Cause I've heard that before and I've, I've tried, we actually talked about that technique like a, a couple, like a while ago, um, that two X breath mm-hmm. and I've done it myself, but after like three minute, three minutes in breathing time, I feel like is a long mm-hmm. time. I'm, I get frustrated. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm not really slowing down. My mind is still racing. Yeah. Well, then the key too is like focusing on the breath and actually doing the counting, mm-hmm. right? Because your mind can only be focused in one thing at one time. So if you're actually focused on the number going one, two, three, four, hold, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on the exhale, you can't be thinking of other things because your mind is focused on the counting. Hmm. So that could be a key. Again, yeah. there's multiple ways of bringing yourself in, but that's just one way. So I would say, try that first and focus on the on the actual counting to distract your mind from ruminating on other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then once you're there, something else I like to do is I'll roll my eyeballs up so I know that whoever's listening, you can't see, but if like you look up, like you're looking up into your own eyebrows, like picking a spot, it starts to activate your brain to already want to drop into relaxation. Oh, that's a fun little life hack. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll do that. And then when I like, I'll start to breathe slowly and then I'll drop my eyes down, exhale out. And if you, so roll your eyeballs up right now. Keep your eyeballs rolled up, but just close your lids down. Can you feel the fluttering? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually you already starting to go into state. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's an induction that I'll do. Um, starting with the breath, rolling your eyeballs up, breathing, and then closing your eyelids down and just letting it flutter for a little bit. And then... I'll start to do a countdown where I'll relax my eyes and I'll see a staircase in front of me with, I'll usually do 20 steps because sometimes it takes me longer to go in um, on certain days. I'm pretty quick. The moment I start breathing, sometimes it's like, boom, because I've associated a certain breath with hypnosis. I can bring myself in really quick, but I suggest for the people who are listening, maybe seeing a staircase of 20 steps down below you. And as you're going down these steps, Start to engage your senses. So start to like hear your feet, see your feet, or feel your feet walking down the steps and count down. So Mm. 19, 18, 17, 16. And then by the time you get down there, you're in a pretty calm state and you've really slowed down your brainwave pattern. At that point in time, there's so many change work processes. I'm like, which one am I going to teach? One that I love to do is once you get all the way down, Uh, imagine that there is like a hall in front of you and that there's a door at the end. And at the end, that door, 
when you open it up, this is a place where you can do all the beautiful change work that you want. So tell me something that you like, let's just say some, an example of something you want to shift. I want to raise my thermostat on my finances. Cool. Okay. So right when you get to the door and you open it, you start to create this beautiful room. And I, with my clients, I'll have them actually design out their room because it's going to be the same room that you go into every single time you do this change work process. So it could have an area where if you need physical healing, there might be a station where there's these different um, jars of liquids that when you drink them, it starts to maybe get your red blood cells going or your body to heal. Or there could be an area where there's a computer. So let's say in your subconscious, you want to figure out a question to something. You can actually go into this room and type something on the computer. And then later on, your subconscious will give you an answer to something. There's a lot that you can do in this room. But for the sake of yours, Hmm. imagine you go in this room and there's a, a movie screen. And on this screen... First, you can sit in front of it and then watch yourself having the thing that you say you want. So if you have more money, maybe you see yourself on the screen on your computer and you open up your bank account and all of a sudden you see the number that you want to see. Maybe with all this money, what would you you be doing? You could be going to different places to shop, maybe at dinners and you're paying for the meal Mm. and covering everybody. Maybe you're booking fancy flights and luxurious trips all over the world with you and your man. Um, (laughs) I love this. I love this exercise already. (laughs) Yes. And then once you're observing yourself on the screen for a little bit, you then see yourself stepping into the screen. You merge in and then you with your own senses now are going through the experience. So through your own eyes and what are you hearing? What are you feeling? You're now seeing your fingertips on your laptop typing. So instead of watching yourself, Mm. you've now stepped into the picture and you are enacting in this world as you would with all the money that you desire to have. And so what this does is it's having you start to become familiar with a thing that was once unfamiliar. And whatever's familiar Mm. is safe to us. Yeah. And it's pleasurable. Whatever's unfamiliar is unsafe and not pleasurable. So you currently seeing yourself, let's say $50 million, that might be like, whoa, I don't even know how. And it could make you nervous. You're like, I don't even know what I would do with that. That's so weird. That's because it's so unfamiliar to you. Mm -hmm. Yet, let's say in this screen, you watch it enough and you're like, oh, I feel so comfortable in it. Now it's letting your subconscious know it's safe to have this amount so you won't reject it and you can actually attract it into your life. And you can also take the certain actions now that maybe previously you wouldn't have that would get you to being able to achieve that level of financial abundance. So you're making the unfamiliar familiar through this process. And again, whatever's familiar to you, you're going to keep, that's going to be your new set point. So freaking cool. Oh my God. Okay. I love this. And I actually, I feel like anybody listening might, who's never like done like hypnosis or anything like this might be like freaked, not freaked out, but like maybe like second guessing this. Mm -hmm. 
I recently did my first hypnosis ther- like Amazing. session. Yeah. And it was an online audio. Like I literally like was sitting in my living room and I listened to the audio mm-hmm. and it was a very similar thing to what you just did. Like Love. I walked, I took an elevator down instead of stairs, oh. walked down hallways, sat in front of a movie screen. Very, very similar guys like that shit blew my mind. And I love that it's like something you can do in your own, in your mm-hmm. living room. Like if somebody is really listening to this and like you have an area where you know is a barrier in your life, like try it. Yeah. Why not? If you can't see yourself having the thing that you want, you're never going to have it. Mm. Preach. For real. So this allows you to actually see yourself. And what's so cool is you're your subconscious has realized that whatever you're seeing in your mind, it doesn't know whether it's happening in your mind or actually in reality. Hmm. So if you see it enough times in your mind, it can appear in your reality because now it's safe and it's natural, normal to have it. That's why, and for those who think it's woo-woo, I mean, essentially let's chalk it up to if it makes it easier to digest, call it visualization, right? And Mm -hmm. everybody visualizes, whether it's athletes or really just high performers, they use visualization skills and they use their imagination because the genesis of all creation starts in your imagination. And if you can't dream something up, you can't actually create it in reality. So if you want a new reality for yourself, you need to dream it up in your mind first to actually see that it's possible and then ground into your subconscious mind and into your physical body that it's safe to have it. And then boom, all of a sudden it appears in your reality. I don't know about you guys, but I spend a lot of time on the internet, especially these last few months. Like, I don't even want to tell you what my screen time is at. It is truly embarrassing. But all that time looking at digital screens can be damaging to the eye, which is why I wear my Blue Blocks glasses. If you don't know, the blue light from most screens, like from your phone, computer, and TV, can actually damage your eyes and exposure can lead to digital eye strain. Symptoms of digital eye strain are anything from blurred vision to headaches and dry, watery eyes. And for some, it can even cause heightened anxiety, depression, and low energy. For me, I used to just get headaches every day and wonder like, why? is this happening? So blue box glasses were created to block out blue light. And unlike a lot of other mass produced blue light glasses, blue blocks are backed by the latest science and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. Some blue light glasses are pretty nerdy looking, but blue blocks are definitely more fashion forward and come in over 20 styles. I actually have the Magnum computer glasses, which are really cute. And you can also get them in your prescription or non-prescription and readers. So if you want to get your energy back, sleep better and block out those unhealthy effects of blue light, get yourself a pair of blue blocks glasses. And for each pair of blue box glasses purchased, they actually donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need through the organization Restoring Vision. And I mean, you guys know, I just love a good give back component. So head to Blue Blocks today and get free shipping worldwide and 15% off with code BKP. That's Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. I'm also going to link that in show notes and use code BKP for 15% off today. Okay. I have a question. Yes. So obviously like how, how long do you think that this takes to really ingrain in your body? Cause like, you can't just do this like one time and be like, all right, I'm going to make a million dollars (laughs) now, you know, like maybe tell us a little bit of the process. And also like, I'm sure hip 
hypnosis is one portion. Like there's probably other things too. I know um, when you mentioned visualization, I remember we did this podcast in the beginning of the year when we talked about like scripting. I feel like it's kind of in the same ballpark where you're writing down like the movie script of your life, basically of how you want it to look. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is all kind of in the similar realm. Yeah. Like what would you recommend? Like if you were going to prescribe me to up, up my thermostat. Yeah. The prescription would be do it until something changes. Mm. Right. You know what's okay. You know what's really cool, guys? When I did that hypnosis thing, literally a week later, I had an email in my inbox like offering me a gig. Yeah. If you don't have it, the what I've discovered is usually the longer it takes, is the greater the resistance you have to the thing. Mm. So if you don't have a big resistance around getting an opportunity, like someone, and it's like you did it once and boom, it showed up. But if you have like a big resistance to say a certain amount or like a specific opportunity, like that would be a pipe dream or a certain amount of money or a certain relationship. If there's more resistance or like more trauma behind it, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to heal. And with this process, you know, there's that what I shared with you is one way. There's multiple ways to get to Rome. And something that could also be really important if you're really stuck on something, you're like, I've been doing this girl for two months and it's not working. There could just be deeper healing that needs to be done. Um, and I really dive into like inner child work where like there could be something that has to be healed in order for your younger self to truly feel safe to have the thing that you say that you want. So this is one pathway. Hmm. Uh, it's not the only, it's, I just want people to know if they go, oh, well, it didn't work. So hypnosis doesn't work or visualization doesn't work. <laughs> it's not true. There could, there's multiple ways of getting in. And it just could be that it's a deeper level of trauma or resistance that's there that needs more attention and love and healing. So cool. One thing I wanted to ask you about too, because when we're talking about barriers and we were talking about like some really common barriers mm-hmm. is you mentioned like procrastination and perfectionism. <laughs> and I'm like, who can't freaking relate to one of those, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. If you, if you're somebody who kind of can relate to this, like maybe you're doing one of the other, or maybe you're doing both. I'm like a procrastinating perfectionist. Like what Ooh. is that? <laughs> other than I mess. Like, no, like I, when I started this, when I start, it took me forever to start this podcast. And even in my first season, it took me so long to get the season up because I was like so fixated on every little detail. Mm -hmm. And so that was like perfectionism coming through, but enough about me for somebody who's like experiencing either one of these, what are, what, what's some of your experience around handling? What do you think the underlying belief is for someone who struggles with perfectionism? Hmm. Uh, I think probably that we're not good enough or scared to put something mediocre and and getting like ridiculed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, you nailed it on the head. It's the, I'm not enough. And we're so thinking that if I do this, if I hit this measure, then I will be good enough. But for many perfectionists, we set a bar that's unattainable. And because that bar is unattainable, unconsciously, what it continues to prove is, see, I knew it. Hmm. Not enough. Because ultimately we do the things that prove our beliefs right, our brain right. And if you have that belief of I'm not good enough, we continue to do things to prove ourselves right. If I believe I am enough or I'm 
you know, lovable or unlovable, those are kind of the root, the ones that people struggle with is this desire to belong, the desire to be loved and the desire to feel like they're enough and to feel safe ultimately. And so we have these weird behaviors to try to get that or to protect ourselves from that. And so perfectionism is really us trying to prove our value and that we're enough, but the catch is we don't believe that we are, which is why we fall prey to perfectionism. So my recommendation for people with that, and I always go twofold. So it's like go into the root cause and the belief part, change your inner world. And you can also change your beliefs by doing a new action in your outer world, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's like, these are the different ways that you can change your beliefs. One is through repetition. So it does work if you're constantly repeating the same thing over and over to yourself. And if you do it in the right way, it can work. Another way is through hypnosis. Another way is through somatic work. Like when you actually release certain energies and stuck traumas in your body, you can start to free yourself of the old beliefs. And then the last way is having a high impact event that proves what you believe wrong. So if someone is thinking like, I'm so scared to speak on stage, which is a big fear for many people. And then they finally do it. Many of them are like, that was amazing. (laughs) And then now their whole fear and things that they worked up to is gone because they've now have evidence to prove that it's incorrect what they were believing. So with perfectionism, I really would dive deep into clients into feeling that that they're enough. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I like to do the inner child work. It's like you can, again, take yourself in through an induction with your eyes rolled up, going down the steps through your breath. And then once you're there, going to a place that feels super safe, like creating a, a safe place in your mind. And then I'll invoke my inner child to come forward the one who is super scared to get things wrong or to not to be perfect or to disappoint someone or to get rejected or judged. She's the one that's keeping me stuck in perfection. And I invite her in to have a conversation and really console her and comfort her and give her compassion and to cheer her on and to let her know that she's safe and it's okay and that she is enough. And you do that enough, eventually, again, you're starting to quell the fear of your inner child who's like going, no, <laughs> let's not like that, that the one that's stopping you. So that's one way that I would work with people on the perfectionist piece. And then on the other side is to start practice getting messy. Yeah. That was like a big thing with this podcast is I was like, you know, I, I had a deadline for myself. And I, as I was getting closer and closer to the deadline, I kind of had to be like, these are not going to be perfect. Anybody listening, y'all know these episodes are not perfect. <laughs> I bet they are. But, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I just, I got to a point where I was driving myself nuts and I'm like, I'm going to put out, I'm going to put these out and they're not going to be what a hundred percent what I want, but I just got to start putting them out there. Mm-hmm. And like, it was really uncomfortable for me, but kind of like what you said, like after the first one, putting out the second one, that's not as perfect yeah. is a little bit easier. You're like, oh. Okay. Now I just fucking throw these. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not on fucking gear, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Low quality. Who cares? Yeah. No, it's it's so true. It's like once you start to do it, you start to build a new muscle. Mm-hmm. It feels uncomfortable at first because again, it's not familiar to you, but you do it enough times. You're like, oh, okay. It's not that big of a deal. And what I realize with a lot of perfectionists, our good is a lot of people's greats. 
<laughs> I love that. I mean, it's kind of true, right? Because we're like, if you're a true perfectionist, because I'm a recovering um, perfectionist and people actually, I had a friend say that to me. She's like, you're like good enough is people's like stellar work stuff. So just put it out there. And I was like, oh, and that was a reframe for me. And because she said it at the right time and I really internalized it, it became a new belief for me as well. So that's, that's a good thing to put in your, put in your mind right there. Put in there. my mind. Yeah. yeah. On the flip side, I do want to touch on procrastination because I'm also guilty of this one. Mm-hmm. And I make a lot of jokes on big kids about procrastinating. It's <laughs> like, this is my life. <laughs> is it? it yeah. It, yeah. I, I'm pushing it a little bit far, but when I, when I didn't work for myself, I procrastinated a lot, you know, when you didn't, when I didn't work for myself, now that I work for myself, I have a lot more on the line Mm -hmm. and I feel like I am a lot better at this. But like when I worked for somebody else and I was kind of like, I would just wait. That's just, that's like my personality. I would wait until like the day before something was due, like a report or something and bust it out. Even in school, I feel like I was Mm -hmm. like a constant, like I'm going to do this the night before kind of person. So I know that through our conversations, you have done a lot of inner work. What have you identified as what's holding you back? Um, Usually when it's, I'm like in my core, like a creative. And when I, when I'm forced to do something I don't want to do, I have just like a lot of restriction around it. Mm -hmm. And I've also like, I've always kind of been like a little bit rebellious. Mm My parents are listening to this. They're going to laugh because I was like <laughs> definitely the rebellious child. I don't know when I just, when I'm faced with something that I just like is not interesting to me or seems like something I don't want to do. I just like put up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> so many times procrastination is an effect of trauma from childhood and it not, and, and people, and I use that word lightly because people might be like, oh my God, trauma. It's just things that we experience where we felt unseen, not loved or um, not known in that moment. So, and some trauma can be very extreme and some can be less. So there was a benefit that you got from being rebellious right? It's actually a behavioral adaptation that you had of like, I'm going to prove you or because not everybody does that. So you got something from being rebellious that is now playing itself out as an adult. I feel like I already know what it is. Say it. Um, just being a middle child, you know, like, you know, (laughs) that's trauma right there. Seriously. But like, you know, your, your parents are focused on like the older one because that's like, they are in new territory or the youngest because like, that's like, you know, the one the baby, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the middle child, I feel like was kind of left on their own. So I guess I probably did get attention by, you know, yeah. causing a ruckus. Totally. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we'll do whatever we can to try to get love, right? We've talked about this, but when I worked at a treatment center, a lot of the women there had extraordinarily wealthy and kind of well-known parents who were very focused on their careers. And so for them, how did they get love and attention? Mm. by having a problem. And I remember when I learned the six human needs from Tony Robbins, he said the fastest way to get connection or love, which is one of the human needs, is to have a problem. Mm. Because when you're doing great, people aren't around you. But when you're struggling or things are bad, all of a sudden people will drop their stuff and come to you. So now they like learn this as a behavioral adaptation. Like, 
people, the, the way, and it's unconscious. They're like, wow, every time I have an issue, my parents come around when I'm good, they're focused on their work. And then they become accustomed to this pattern now to try to get their parents love, even though it's an unhealthy way. And so many of us can do these things. And I would say that's why with procrastination, it could be, you know, something of the past that's then having us procrastinate. There's a payoff from it. There's also a cost, but there's a payoff to us continuing that behavior. And sometimes for some people, the payoff could be that I get to prove, look, I'm not enough or I'm a procrastinator. And we drop into self-judgment and self-shame for being that. Mm -hmm. That could be the cycle right there, the pattern. Um, And another thing is I heard you say, well, if it's something I don't really like to do, I'm going to procrastinate. Well, of course, because usually if it's something we don't want to do, it equals pain. And if it's something we want to do, it equals pleasure. We move towards pleasure. We avoid pain. So if it's something you don't enjoy, I mean, my recommendation, girl, is to delegate it. (laughs) If you can, I don't like to do this. I'm going to pass it off to someone else if you're able to. Yeah, that's actually really smart. Um, One thing I wanted to get to with you, because you're talking a little bit about this before, And I feel like this is kind of coming into when we were talking about like procrastinating. And um, one of the things that came up was numbing. And Mm -hmm. we talk about like sitting in front of Netflix for a couple hours and numbing numbing out. And we talked about like different ways that we like emotionally regulate. And that was one of the things that I know when you were working in a treatment center, that was like a big thing that you guys taught Mm -hmm. people that were coming in there. And I would love to maybe learn a little bit about emotional regulation and maybe if there's any like tools that we can use at home that might help, like just, just give us a little. Yeah. So um, emotional regulation really is the capacity to choose your um, states of being at any given time, right? Many of us fall into very ineffective states of being or states, I'll just call it that, where the ineffective states could be stress, anxiety, overwhelm, depression anger, resentment, those don't really move you towards what you want and it can keep you stuck and even really hold you back from the very things that you say you want. And many of us can even get stuck in those habituated patterns. So the power is when you're able to actually shift your states or regulate your emotions into effective places, more of like joy, excitement, peace, calm, right? Because that supports us more often in what we want. Ultimately, we want to feel good. So if you can emotionally regulate to higher states of feeling, cool, knocked it out. Or if we're in higher states of feeling anyway, we have clear decision-making, we have more creativity. Um, There's a lot of good stuff that comes from when we're in a more effective state of being. But again, many people are emotionally dysregulated, right? All the states that I mentioned that are ineffective. And when we're there, it really messes with our ability just to feel good or to achieve what we want. And sometimes, well, for many, the stress, the anxiety, the resentment, those are actually habituated patterns that we've gotten used to. 100%. Like, I didn't realize how stressed out I was all the time and how I had become... um, accustomed to like a low grade of anxiety that ran through my every single moment of every single day. Same girl, same. And part of that was because I was always, you know, anxiety really is an expression of 
a fear. And usually for anxiety, it's a fear of what's to come. Mm. And our fear of what's to come usually isn't as cute as we want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We many times will have worst case scenarios of what's going to happen, or we're not really foreseeing a future that's in our favor, but something that feels scary for us or unknown or just not good the result or the outcome. And so that can keep us in these heightened states or anxieties. Also, what I realized for me is just a need to always be on to make sure that I'm safe and to be aware of my environments, that nothing can come up to surprise me so Mm. that I won't actually be in danger of anything, even though I'm not in danger, but how the brain processes is that something bad could happen. Yep. So I'm always in this heightened state. Dude, I feel the same way. And it's almost like, almost like it's like a clutch. Because I'm like, if I am stressed out and on alert and anxiety, like nothing is going to get through the cracks. Exactly. Because I'm always like (laughs) paying attention. And that really messes with our biology. Dude, 100%. You know what's interesting? Because I just just had like a self-realization like a couple Mm -hmm. days ago where I feel really bad with my current partner, like my fiance, I feel like all last year I was so stressed all the time. And it was because we had just moved and I was really stressed about the move. And then like, he wasn't proposing at the time that I wanted him to propose. So I was really stressed about the proposal. And then now we're like in the wedding planning phase and I'm just really stressed about the wedding planning. And I'm like, yeah, I thought I was just only stressed out because of these certain circumstances, but like, this is like who I am now. And like, who wants to be with somebody who's stressed out all the time? I'm like, I need to fucking figure it out and be able to self-regulate. And if I notice myself being a stress case for no reason, like there has to be a way that I can get myself out of this because it's not his responsibility. This is all me. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What are you afraid is going to happen if you let go of control? Uh, I don't know. Just the things aren't going to go my way. Like I I have such high expectations and dreams for myself. Like we were talking about it, like just using sheer will. Like I feel like I have to have this tight grasp on everything I'm doing if I'm going to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. Which leaves no space for trust and flow and all the magic to come in and not realizing that you are so supported by God, the universe, source, whatever you want to call it, but we know that there's a greater force at play that when we actually just let go, things can be achieved in even greater ways than we could have ever imagined. Like literally. I mean, just as a quick story, I had a friend who was really stressing out financially and she'd opened up a store and that took a lot of you know money for her to invest in. She had a home she bought, um, the property tax was coming up and it was significant and it was so stressful for her. And we did this whole ritual and she just let go and was like, I know that there's something greater. I am supported. I don't have to do all of this by myself. And she went home with her husband. They started cleaning their house and decided to sell their home. And then they called his parents and said, hey, we're going to sell our house. We wanted to see if we could stay with you guys for a few months until we figure our stuff out. And his parents are like, well, we're just going to give you guys the house. What? (laughs) Yeah. And she, like, I had the same response. 
And so did she, because we would never think, oh, I'm going to sell my, I'm going to let go and trust, know that there's, I'm super supported. There's a greater plan at place. I'm going to take care of what my needs are right now, sell the house so that I don't feel so stressed. And it was a big thing for her to decide that because she had wrapped up her identity in being a homeowner. Mm -hmm. So for her to let that go and just say, we're going to sell our house and then ask for support from other people, all of a sudden- this is what falls in her lap. Mm. And I can say time and time again, when we let go of the grips of control, because I used to be a controller, most perfectionists are, because we don't just don't trust. And we feel like we have to do everything ourselves and we can't rely on anybody or anything to support us. We burn ourselves out. We stress ourselves out, make the people around us miserable. <laughs> and we don't allow for the magic of life to appear for us. That things that are greater than we could have ever imagined in levels of support or abundance or just like being gifted a house could <sighs> show up, right? So um, that's a big thing for people if you're listening and you struggle with control is to start to loosen up the grip uh, because that will also help in regulating yourself to a place of peace. Is there anything you can do to help yourself let go? Because I, mean, I feel like it's one of those things. It's just like so much easier said than done. Like I feel like I've recognized this pattern in myself and I'm always like, okay, I need to trust. I need to do these things. But then I go right back. Mm-hmm. You know, is there like work you can do around that? Yeah. I mean, something I notice whenever I'm feeling tension in my body is when I know that I'm in resistance. And I have a mantra that I say to myself. I put my hand on my heart and I just say, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Because the reason why we want to control is because we don't feel safe. Mm. We don't. We feel like things are going to fall apart if I don't handle it like in this only way. And it's the perfect way. (laughs) And we know that it's not true. So once I comfort myself and say that I am safe and it's okay, girl, it's not a big deal let it go. Just go with the flow. Things are all going to work out. And another mantra is like, everything's always working out for me. Mm. I say that a lot. Now that I've ingrained that enough times, I feel like I'm like, oof. And I can notice where, boom, the control wants to kick in. And then because I program that in so much, I can immediately just say the mantra and go, I'm safe or everything's working out for me or you're all good, girl. And it's like, I just let go. And I'm like, fine again. And I literally feel the tension in my body Mm. melt away. Because this is something that I've always done, not knowing that it was like for a purpose, but like even just like working out, moving your body, doing yoga, like those are ways that I've let let go of tension. Of course. You know, I feel like that could be a helpful way for somebody who is like, I don't know, having trouble believing themselves when they say these positive things, Mm -hmm. like moving. Yeah. You know, and then that's even more powerful if you combine the two. If you move your body and you're affirming yourself at the same time, um, that gets it rooted into your body, which is where we want these beliefs to be, to be embedded in there. Mm -hmm. And for many times when people are working out, they're more relaxed, which again, they're more susceptible to accepting these suggestions. When you're stressed and you're trying to tell yourself these positive affirmations, it doesn't work because again, remember the judge or mind is going not true. That's Mm -hmm. no way. And it kicks it out. But if we could put ourselves into a more relaxed state, which I know many people access through physical movement, absolutely do that. And then even affirm 
while that's happening. Yeah. So that's another way to just like emotionally regulate yourself. And then the breath obviously is, because I know you asked for other tools on how to emotionally regulate, but the breath is a powerful way. There's so many different types of breathing patterns. So we talked about one, mm-hmm. right? And then there could even be box breath. That's more for energy though. Or I do um, conscious connected breathing, which is like through the belly and the chest. And it, it's a more intense breath, but that's actually helped me to release a lot of like trauma in my body. I've had releases where I've sobbed. I had releases where I felt super blissed out. Ooh, um, I love I, a good bliss out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I facilitate that breath work with groups and then I do it for myself. So that's been a powerful tool to emotionally regulate. Um, other ways, if I'm stuck looping in my mind and in this state of stress or anxiety, I will put pen to paper. I will get the thought down because once you dump it and you see it in front of you, now you have something to work with. Oh, I do. I am such an advocate for this. Huge. Huge. And what's great is if you're able to dump it out, um, if you are a journaler, that actually starts to reveal more of what your triggers are so that you can work through them and have a more effective way of dealing with them when they come up. Another thing, though, that I do with my writing is I'll actually argue for the opposite. Right? Mm, I like that. We can convince ourselves either way of anything. Oh, I love this. But if I write down, like, I feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not capable, I will take the stance to argue against that and give all, like, pretend like I'm an attorney. And you're like, okay, how do we know that this is not true? And then write down all the things. Exhibit A. Exhibit A. (laughs) Yes. And I will now bring up a witness, which is my inner self who oh my is my God, soul who will argue for why this isn't true cuz now you're starting to dismantle the lies yep you know or even Katie By- Byron Katie has a beautiful process called the work where you ask yourself four questions you write down whatever the thought is and you ask yourself is this true how do i know that this is true how do i feel when i think this thought and who would i be without this thought mm. And once you run through all those four, then you do a turnaround where, which is basically you affirming the truth of what you really want to believe. And that again, dismantles the thoughts that truly are lies. Anything that doesn't have us feel good is a lie. Yes. Right. This was like a big realization for me in life is that a lot of our thoughts, because you, we just assume that our thoughts are truth and they're yeah. not. <laughs> like so many of my thoughts are absolute bullshit, mm-hmm. but like we believe them. Like I'll tell myself terrible things all the time and writing them down has definitely helped. And I love, and I cannot wait to try the yes. arguing because I'm a good, I can argue, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can get my argument. That rebellious on. girl. Yeah. You bring her out. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I'm pumped to try that. I think that's really such a good tool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, there's more, but those are like a good place to start. I feel like you've given us so many things. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. There's a lot in here. Um, <laughs> I And I think you're right. This is a good place to start. And if anybody is interested, if they want to hear some more ways that they can help rise higher, yeah. <laughs> where can we get more of you? Uh, you can find me all the deets on my website, stephaniekwong.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram a good amount and my handle is at I am Stephanie Kwong. And those are usually the places that I like to play in the podcast, Rise Higher. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll link I'll link all your info in show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me, girl. Yes. I'm glad I got to catch you while you were in town from Nashville. I know. Worked out perfectly. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Damn, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it and that you maybe picked up some useful tools and tricks to try. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, to really get the value out of this one, you're going to want to try some of the stuff we talked about. So I have some homework for you. First things first, check out Stephanie's free guided hypnosis. I've linked it in show notes. If you've never done one of these, it's actually so fun and really allows you to drop in deeper to yourself. Like I've mentioned, I've tried lots of things and just started getting into this and I wish I discovered it sooner. It is really cool. I also have a couple journal prompts and included the four questions exercise in show notes if you want to try any of those tools. If you did enjoy this episode, please take a screenshot and share it on social or send it to a friend you think might like it. Or you can rate and review it, which is also a huge, huge help and really helps this little show grow. If you guys do either one of those, like share it on social or leave a review, send me a little screenshot or a DM. I will be giving out prizes every single week. If you want to connect with me or just need some laughs, check me out on Instagram at Big Kid Problems, or you can follow my personal at Sarah A. Merrill underscore and let me know your thoughts on this show. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there and just know that I value your time and really appreciate you spending it with me. So with that, I hope you guys will join me back here next week for a brand new episode. And until then, I will see you next Tuesday. 